0: Hey Dr. Michelle. How are you? Good. I can't see my pic picture, can you?
1: Um oh there it no. goes. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, the um, so I haven't done this in such a long time with uh with Zoom. I had to, so I used Re- I use uh, StreamYard mm-hmm. to do this with with uh, Zoom. You have to use reStream. Oh, do you? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> I spent an hour oh. trying to configure this so that um, we could use Zoom. So I'm still trying to remember. It's, just, it's almost like been a year since I used reStream. Yeah,
2: there's another streaming service that we just learned about. That's supposed to be very good.
1: The thing is that it's the, the question, the issue is is allowing Zoom to, allowing the signal to come from Zoom and go out. So there's a bunch of streaming services. The issue is just getting the right one that lets you do from Zoom to out and out being to LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah. Zoom.
2: So StreamYard has
1: its own platform? Yeah, StreamYard. Go straight from Streamyard to everybody.
2: Does just so, Streamyard allow virtual backgrounds?
1: It doesn't in the way that you're thinking. So okay. it, it it allows it if you have a green screen. Yes. But yeah, so I, I got what you were trying to do. So I was like, okay, I'm trying to make this work. I mean, I thought I could make it work no problem, but it took me a couple hours to figure out. Oh, sorry about that. No, no, I just want to say I'm late because I'm trying to. I'm still <laughs> I'm still in the stream yard going okay making sure I got the right destinations and let me add some in the center talk. of my screen so add a channel okay so add a channel connect Facebook, I'm using all my extra donation right, right. wow. oh you know
2: what I'm gonna do I'm gonna run and get a headset
1: yep
0: no because. problem no problem at all okay so into live studio, start recording in your browser. online where are we going? <sighs> yes, no, I'm gonna take that out.
1: Take this out. Oh,
0: nice. Okay, Stream, good job, Stream man
1: you do like, I got fancy. Yeah and see,
0: see. Okay, i get this off going of Background, background. What the hell? No, that's not no not the background. two side by side. It's not the regular. Ah We're on. Why is it not pulling that in? Okay. Go from the stream. Right. Okay. And I'm supposed to be pulling in but... Yeah, okay. So. I'm supposed to be pulling in this, which is that. And we're
1: live. So, so.
0: how is the sound?
1: Sounds great. Okay, good. I just ended up not going live and just recording it just because I can't remember how to. I don't think I'm going to be able to remember how time to uh, to send it out live. I wanted to send it out live, but just record it. I don't remember how to do this. It's not picking it up.
0: One more thing. Okay. Set the recording up, right? be picking you up, picking us up. Usually recording browser Oh, maybe I go into the uh, camera.
1: I wish Zoom would just let you go live to LinkedIn. That would be that. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm gonna look up, Lily Han had sent me a couple of uh, services that she said are good for that.
1: Yeah, LinkedIn has several that you can um, do it with. It's just um, probably Restream is one of the better ones. Um, at destination.
0: Yeah, I have to figure it out later. Okay, just set that down. Okay. Okie dokie.
2: Yeah, they they were talking about this thing called the Room Key, which is a metaverse. So it's kind of like. Avatars, and then you can go live through that. It's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, um, there's a company called mm, Two Ms H and Three Ms, and they have a whole entire. Basically, they take your camera signal and they put it through their software, but it works perfect with Zoom. But but it 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 gives you while you're on Zoom all these different options you can't do in Zoom. Um, but then you still got to get doom signal out to wherever you want it to go. Yeah. Um, so anyway, for this conversation, we'll just record it. And then the next time I'll have restring figured out, it's been such a long time since I used it.
2: Okay. Yeah, so maybe we can do just kind of an introductory.
1: Yes. Convo um
0: perfect we rotate already. Right, okay.
1: hey everyone welcome back i am so excited today to be talking with dr michelle williams and one of the things that i really i find difficult is around black professional development is salary And we know that a lot of times we're being underpaid, obviously undervalued, but that conversation to to have a solution-based conversation with the powers that be, wherever you are, that's such a difficult space to navigate. And your family will tell you, you yeah, 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 go go, go for that, whatever, the 20% increase. Um, But very rarely do you get to talk to someone who actually understands the nuance of being able to ask for the right salary, um, negotiate from a place of strength versus a place of, of uh, want and need. So I'm excited to, to to talk to you about that, but also to understand more about you, because I know you do a lot of rooms in Clubhouse on the app, and I and also see your, your email address. So I'm like, are you, um, are you a tenure professor? Do you have a class load? How are you doing all this stuff? And still being able to show up uh, present, being present in success of our community. So please tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, where people can follow you at. And then let's go into the salary conversation. Okay, great. So I'm
2: Michelle Williams, and I am a tenure track a faculty member at the University of Iowa to be College of Business. I'm also um, the McClough Faculty Fellow in Entrepreneurship. So I do a lot of negotiation in that space and um, the inaugural Faculty Fellow in Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. So this is a passion that I helping, you know, people of color and just the whole community come together and find inclusive spaces and salary equity is one of the things that I do both, you know, for my job and just as a passion. Um, and I think that I really came to this. So I've been teaching negotiation for over 15 years. I've taught it at the MIT Sloan School of Business. I've taught it at um, the ILR School at Cornell University. And back in 2012, I was very ill. And I kind of thought to myself, well, do I want to keep doing this, uh, this work as a professor? Because I study uh, trust and collaboration and kind of more inclusive uh, spaces, how um how to um, make workplaces uh, better for everyone. And I thought to myself, yes, I do, but I wanna do it differently. I wanna make sure that part of uh, my time is really spent um, talking talking about gender equity. So talking about salary negotiations to different professional groups within organizations and making sure that, what I'm doing is is not only in journal articles that are read by <laughs> however few people, but also getting out there to the community and being able to um, share information that you just people just don't have if they haven't. Um, gone for an MBA. So these are, you know, brilliant people that you can be in, in tech fields, you can be, you could be an artist, all different fields where you're, you know, usually contributing, but there would be no reason for you to have had a course in negotiation. And there's some tactics that really um, can shift the outcome.
1: To that one point, you brought something that made me sit ding, um, children would it be something that we we should start teaching our 12-year-old, 13-year-olds? Uh, I read a story two days ago about a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old who were both making $30,000 a month doing um, cryptocurrency mining. They actually bought a, rat a, rather rented a facility um, when they first started, they were making $900 a month. But you know, at some point, they're gonna have to negotiate. <laughs> And so by the time you're 12, probably, or maybe next year. Um, and so is that a skill set that we should, as a community, embrace the concept of it and the tenets of it, the structure of negotiations at a very early age?
2: Yes. And both uh, the structure of negotiation and entrepreneurship. So having that fail fast, try different things, experiment, learn from your experience, and being able to take those risks is really important from an early age. So I'm going to say this with a caveat. Teaching your children to negotiate makes your life harder as a parent, but <laughs> it makes her, it's it's the thing that you definitely should do. Um, and I can just give an example of my daughter. She went to get her hair done um, a few days ago and she didn't like it. And so the, uh, it didn't come out quite right. And so we called the hairdresser. The hairdresser was fine. You know, you know, I'll oh, come back and I'll fix it all, you know. And but she was just so nervous that she that the person would be upset with her that she didn't you know that they didn't that she wasn't going to show the proper appreciation and is it okay to do right and the idea that you can negotiate with people and that service people actually want to keep your business. So rather than walk away and say, I didn't like it and never go back to that person, giving them the opportunity to fix it and to talk about it and to communicate um, more effectively, something that now she can carry that with her, right? She knows that it's, it is okay to ask for what you want. And I told her, the person may have said, no, look, you know, you already paid for it. I'm not going to fix it. But if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And so that's the same thing with your salary. Is that if you don't ask, the answer's no. And so figuring out how to ask and how to have that confidence in asking is so important. And there are, I think, three things that really can be a game changers for people. Um, one is setting high aspirations. One of the biggest differences um, between men and women, and I think, this also applies to people of color is not setting their aspirations high enough. And if your aspirations, no one's going to give you more than what you asked for, right? <laughs> They're not going to say, oh, well, you know, really, we usually pay this for the job and we're going to give you more money because you didn't ask for enough, right? They're, go- you know, it is a corporation's job to get, um, to get the best workforce at the best price, right? And so part of your job is to Go around and look, you know, research what the number is, talk to your network, talk to people who look like you and people who don't look like you, who may be paid more so you can figure out what is the pay scale. And then when you look at if if you're going to resources in the Internet, like Glassdoor, remember that when they give you an average price for a job, that includes all the people who are being underpaid. So that average price is not where you're looking, right? You're always looking at that top of the range, and then maybe add twenty percent. You want to, you know, you're not. You want to know what that job really pays. And um, in the aspiration, one of the things that I find that holds people back, especially people who are going into, for instance, tech and their first generation, is that initial offer that is never the company's best offer. But that initial offer, maybe more. Than everyone in their family has ever made. And it's so much that they think, well, you know, that's all I need. And it's a wonderful salary. And everyone they talk to will say, that's a wonderful salary. That's fabulous. But if you're not being paid for the work you do, if you get into that job and you find out the person sitting next to you who has less experience, who probably, you know, who may not be doing as good a job as you, is being paid $20,000 more that really um, ruined your ability to be engaged and to really um, do your best work for that company. And I was talking to someone, I tell so I do rooms on negotiation on Clubhouse, and I was talking to someone and they said, you know, I talked to a colleague, I'm still friends with, with him today, but I found out I was being paid 38% less. Right, that's a huge amount of money, um, and so it's important for us to find out what where those aspirations should be. But there's two. Yes, no why don't no you, no I was going to say, but there's two other pieces, right? One, the the second piece is that you've got to have your brag book, right? You can't say, I just want this, this higher salary because, you know, I think it would be good. You want it because of the work you do and because of what you're contributing. And so you want to have that list of all your accomplishments at your past job. And if you right. haven't had a job yet, you've still done things um, at your university. We've, um, in study of um, university students, they find that um, students of color are often involved in a lot of service types of work. So they're doing things for the community. I mean, even if you did social media for your church, right, you're still doing social media. You have a set of skills that, mm-hmm. you know, you may have gotten more permissioners in. So so you need to think about things that you might think about as just giving back to the, as not even just, as giving back to the community or something that you do as a side hustle. But taking those skills and recognizing which of those skills are transferable to your job is really important. So that you come in with that set of skills that you have, and you know your university background, all of those things contribute to why you're going to be an excellent fit for this job. Um, and so that's the second piece. And the third piece, which is important in all negotiations, is something called your BATNA, and that's B A T N A, and it stands for your best alternative to a negotiated solution. And that right. means what are you going to do if this negotiation fails and you walk away? So if you're going for a job and you currently have a job, you know what you're going to do. You're going to keep you're going to keep working in your same job. You have a very strong position. Right. <laughs> so uh, and sometimes people think, well, my batten is just what it is. It's been covid. Maybe I haven't worked in a few months. So, you know, you may be thinking of yourself as, oh, well, I, I don't really have a batten but a batna is something you can build, right? You can go out for multiple job interviews. I was talking to a woman who had a job interview at Google and at Facebook. Uh, you know tech is hiring. And when you have when you're going for multiple interviews, then you have uh, a much stronger batna because that company knows if they can't get you, you have someplace else you're going to go, you're going to go. And so those types of things, figuring out what that alternative is, and so that's also something you can do when you're looking when you're looking for a new job, or when you're going for that raise. When you're asking, wait a minute, I've I've found out that I've been paid unfairly. These are, you know, I would like this much raise. This is what other people are making in this position. Um, you may ha- you can figure out what is your BATNA. Is it that if this doesn't come through, you're just going to stay in the job and they can pay you less? Or is it that you're starting to look outside and say, "Well, this is where I would move. These are the you know this is these right, are the companies right. I would move to, and this is what they're paying for." And it is a lot more work to have a batna than to just kind of say, "Oh well, I think I, I'm being paid unfairly," but that is gives you strength. So these are all sources of power. Your um, you know, your brag book, your personal expertise is a source of power, your baton is power, and then your aspiration is really powerful because people the higher your aspiration, study after study shows the higher your aspiration, um, the higher your the better your
1: outcome. Right. What was the baton? What was that stand for again?
2: That stands for your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And what it really means, um, that term I find not helpful sometimes, but it's your no deal option. If you don't get a deal in this situation, if you walk away, what are you going to do? And one of the best ways to think about it is it doesn't have to be another salary, right? So if you are buying a car, your no deal option may be to drive your current car, but your no deal option may be to um, get a ride with a colleague, to ride your bicycle, to walk, to take the bus. So you might have a lot of options. And so for instance, if it were a car, you don't want to, um, if you take the bus to the car dealer, they're gonna think you don't have a lot of options. You probably really need this car, right? (laughs) Uh, One time I was in a car accident and um, I was getting a replacement car. So I had a, a rental car. And so I parked that rental car in another lot, very far away. And I walked into the car dealer. So they wouldn't know that I had a rental car and probably needed that car more quickly.
1: Right. The personal one was called personal Uh What was the personal one? You just said, um, so before Batman.
2: Oh, oh. So the other source of power is all of your um, personal experience. So there's so, so it's not just your experience, but it's your ability to solve problems elegantly, your ability to um, build trust and teamwork. So, all those things that wherever you go, that's kind of your human capital. Wherever you go, you have that skill set with you.
1: I have a few questions. Uh, this is very good, very, very ex- excellent things to keep in mind. Each one uh, is super important. So, with um, when you earlier said to talk to people who possibly are traditionally getting paid more than we'll say Black folks, when you talk to them, is it okay? Or do you advise to ask them, what did they do when they were offered the first offer?
2: So yes, you can ask them how they negotiated. I think that the the big difference um, between, you know, that we've seen in studies is that, that mm. white men are likely to negotiate their job offers. They're not likely to just accept it. Women are much more likely to just say thank you and accept whatever the offer is. And people of color have also, also um, are col- the culture in a lot of communities is keep your head down and do good work and it'll be recognized.
0: Right. But
2: that's <laughs> not, you know, and that's what oh, we've that been taught and funny. that's what we do. Yeah. But that's not the real game. Yeah. The real game is let people know what you've been doing, get sponsors, get mentors, right. and uh, ask for more.
1: Um, so in that, in, that, in that lane of, of um, knowing what other people are making, do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea for folks to, uh, what do they call it? They call it, I think if they call it, it's like a secret salary Forum that goes around everybody contributes to this form oh
2: yes yes we do, do that a lot do, in academia do you I,
1: do that be a part of that because sometimes those secret forms they you know they're not so secret
2: yes exactly so i tend to go with your actual network because you know those people and you trust those people so if there's yeah. a form um definitely look at it
0: <laughs> you right. can
2: determine whether or not you want to contribute to it but i would go with people you know and it is still the secrecy around salary um, and kind of the um, kind of idea that it might be rude to ask someone what they make is still very prevalent. And I think that you have to be sensitive to that, but also you don't have to ask someone for their exact dollar salary. You can say to people, you know, what's the range that you think would be good? What's the range of this job or what's the range in which you're making? Or you can say, I was, you know, this is the job I'm going for. I was going to ask for this range. Does that seem real? You know, does that seem good? And I've talked to, I was on a panel uh, at a law school mm -hmm. and the person was saying that's exactly what they did. And the person was like, no, that's ridiculous. It's way too low. Even your top number is too low. Mm -hmm. And so um, that gets you just more information. Um, and I would love to just, because we're talking about ranges or I right. mentioned ranges, I just wanted to say, never give people a range yeah. um, because they're just going to go with the bottom number. So if you have to give range, if they say, oh, can you give us a range, make yeah. sure that that bottom number on your range
0: yeah. is your
2: top aspiration. And then just add a little to make the range because yeah. no one's, you know, you are You might as well just be, you think you're saying a range, you think you're being nice, but you You might as well just be saying that bottom number because that's all anybody hears.
1: This is a really interesting, I, I would love to have on the other side of us as psychologists, because I think that part of our dissatisf- dissatisfaction that we have in our community, I'm not going to speak to other communities, I think is tied a lot to um, no communication or um, fear of communicating, and what's going to be the response when the person tells you, you know, uh, no, or or whatever it is. Because what I hear you, what I hear you saying is that, um, uh, ultimately, is that if you don't value yourself, then you won't be valued. And so, my take on that is that yes, and then, then you're sitting over here depressed, drinking, doing X, Y, and Z because you're really not from day one, you never really valued yourself enough. And you, and it's not just on the person, I'm just saying the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And, I,
2: I, and, I'm, I, and I try to, I think of it, um, I think there's a lot of structural things in, in the corporate world. So I'm not sure that people are coming in not valuing themselves, but people are being taught, don't ask, don't ask, don't speak up. We're going to talk over you. We're not going to pay attention to your ideas. And so when you've had that um, environment, right? Even if you go to a new job, sometimes you take those old habits, right? So you may may have left this job because people weren't treating you well, but then you go to the new job and you're still quiet and you still don't ask because that's what you've learned. And so kind of flipping that and saying, okay, I, you know, I'm not going to negotiate against myself. Whenever you... I think a lot of times people are having that conversation in their head, right? They're like, I would ask for more, but oh, it's a small company and it's COVID and da 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 da. And we're paying attention to a lot of social signals and we're telling ourselves, don't ask for so much or, yeah. you know, without ever asking, right, right? right? So we've got to stop negotiating on behalf against of ourselves. other people for against ourselves, right? Yeah, so once, right. so it's kind of going and saying, ask, because sometimes you'll be surprised. You don't really know you know how well that company' is doing or you know whether COVID's it. they will tell you if that's the problem, they will be more than happy to tell you. You don't have to take you know you don't have to um, kind of bound yourself, right? You don't have to kind of um, take that into consideration before you've even had the conversation.
1: So I think part of where uh, we slightly differ, uh, we're in alignment but we have a slight disagreement. Um, I think that is that the, at least from my experience, people Mm -hmm. don't understand um, personal experience. So they don't understand. I mean, I think it was 2016. I was reading an article, something that said about emotional intelligence. And so what I read, I was like, wait, this is black people all day. Like, oh my God. we do, 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 do And then I was like, in that moment, I was like, we don't just have emotional intelligence. We have cultural intelligence because we can understand how to walk into the social security office or almost anywhere mm-hmm. and pick up on the culture, get the intelligence and know how to move. Then we have institutional intelligence because we have these institutions, whether they the Black church, yeah. whether it's the Black organizations, whether it's the Black sororities and fraternities, and not saying that other races don't have um, institutional intelligence, But our success, I believe, is highly predicated on how well we use this intelligence that we've gathered from emotional intelligence to cultural intelligence to institutional intelligence. And those of us that really succeed have a unique values uh, proposition that we're able to combine all those. And because of Clubhouse, I, I came up with a concept of uh, intentional intelligence, mm-hmm. how we use all those intelligence intentionally to get what we want. But I'm saying it to say that um, I do believe when people walk in the door, whether it's at their first job at a at a, at a um, retail location or a job out of college or wherever they're at, they're not walking in with a Dr. Williams. Um, and hopefully you're working on the book or you have something for us that we can, you know, eventually. Oh,
2: get, yes, I am. So, that's good.
1: so they're not walking in with this understanding that my human capital can be measured by this measurement of EI or this measurement of of CI or II or, Mm. you know, um, whatever it is. And then applying it to what they read in a Wall Street Journal or what they read in Cranes or what they read in bizjournals.com to the culture of that specific company. So for me, I feel like, we, we are undervalued on the outside because we weren't trained to think of ourselves in value-based systems of, even though I'm a C student, but my mother wasn't on crack, I was raised by my grandmother, I got a scholarship to college, so that means you have that, 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 grit, right? Exactly.
2: To repackage that. Yeah. And I think the language that we use um, to talk about our skills is so important. And we want to move from speaking of speaking in a relational language to in a sense, speaking in leadership language, right? So yeah. a lot of times people will come to you um, in organizations like, oh, you're so nice. You're such a team player. Well, nice and team player doesn't get you promoted, right? <laughs> but when you say, you know, yes, I, you know, I really care about mentoring our, you know, our top performers in my or, our organization. And I, you know, worked across these departments to help them resolve conflicts. Then suddenly the same thing that's nice turns into leadership behavior. And other people may not see it and they may not tell the right story, but you have that power to reframe it for them and to tell the story of what I'm doing. So um, when you were talking about this cultural intelligence, um, a lot of times we'll have times we'll have the ability to see a problem from multiple different sides and create a solution that other people don't see. But if you don't frame that and you don't name it for them, right, that, you know, it happens to, to women a lot also of just so intuitive. You have such good intuition about that. No, I don't have intuition. I use skills, right? I use skills, you know, yes, I do have it, but you know, that's not what I use. I use my cultural skills to figure out what Mm -hmm. would be a good solution to the problem. And that's a different story. Mm -hmm. And so making sure when positive things happen in your organization, um, you impact the debt bottom line you impact a client that you tell the story in a way that shows the skills you used it it wasn't luck it wasn't you know it wasn't luck it wasn't intuition it wasn't being nice it was a set of relational skills that you're using that you could use in a leadership role that you could use in a lot of other places in that organization so that's so powerful um, what you were talking about about that intentional intelligence uh martin
1: yeah, so I, I um, hmm. yeah, I think that one of the, the things about that is the parent. What I got from what you just said is that if my grandmother said to me instead of um, Martin, you're doing well, or you're did whatever, love, uh, I like your grades, whatever. Martin, I think you're a leader because you've picked your grades up from the C average to a B average or C average to B plus. And so um, I guess I look at our community or communal um, experience, our tribe experience. And I think that that's, that's our, some, someone uses our room, Black LinkedIn, and they say Black LinkedIn is their HBCU. But I think our home is our HBCU. Yeah. And whatever that home is, um, so I think that there are certain things you're talking about in this great conversation. Um, it's a way we can prepare a, our
2: kids. Exactly. Right, yeah, so when right. you get called in because your child is being too assertive and wanting to kind of, you know, tell the other children what to do, go into that teacher and say, wow, thank you for, ne- for recognizing the leadership, of, uh, you know, potential in so-and-so. You're right. We do need to mold that because leaders are not only able to give direction and have great ideas, but they're able to, they have to be able to bring people on board. And can you work on that? That's, you know, but that's a very, the teachers then thinking a different way. They're thinking, oh, so-and-so is a leader and I need to help them, um, uh, help them really leverage that natural leadership ability as opposed to why does this kid keep calling out? Right, you know, it's very different picture and a very different set of goals.
1: Yeah, when you also um, what you said was um, that I think we really uh, may not be able to get to totally today, but you said a um, skill set. You no, know, yeah, we talked about that. So the 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 best alternative to agreement, no deal option. Um, I think that a lot of times we we come from such a deficit or deficit thinking Mm -hmm. or lack thinking that I don't have an option, Doc. I have to take this job. And so, um, because I hear that a lot. But could you speak to what happens? Because to me, it seems like that's what it feels like at the moment. And then when you twist that around to next year or to two years from now, well, you have a job. You're not getting paid what you're worth. You're miserable, and so did you actually <laughs> gain anything? Or yeah, so I think like yourself uh, yes, out. Yes,
2: exactly. And so I think that one of the things that's really interesting ab- about that question is um, you've we've got to be negotiating for our whole lives, right? So are we so miserable in our job that we're coming home and we're snapping at our children and we're not engaging with them the way we want to, and we're not showing up as a person we want to be. And I think that, I think that it's just absolutely the truth that sometimes we have to take a job that's not our favorite job. Right. But when we're negotiating that job, even if we can't negotiate the salary we want, Mm -hmm. let's think about that as a broader package. Right. Um, so, for instance, we can maybe we can't negotiate the salary, but we can negotiate tuition reimbursement so we can get our MBA or we can get a master's in something or we can have specialized training, for instance, an insurance company. There are all these licensures that you can get. And those other things put you in position to go to that next job or you can negotiate sometimes a better job title that will then make you more marketable, Um you know, on the open market. And so thinking more broadly, not thinking that this is you know, even if I feel like I have to take this job, this isn't the last step. This isn't where I'm going. This is where I am right now. And so ask for things that will help you get to that next step. And right. a lot of times those are costless to the organization. It costs them nothing to give you a better title. It costs them, it costs your manager nothing to you to pull in the organization's tuition reimbursement program. So there are places it, it may cost them nothing to let you work at home three days a week. And that gives you more time to um, work on your side gig or your your entrepreneurial activities because you don't have to commute for those two hours, right? So there's lots of, I know a woman who was moving into entrepreneurship and she had a very central role in her organization. She went back and she negotiated um, a four-day work week she said, I'll work 12 hours on these four days. These are the hours, but I need, you know, I, I need a Wednesday off. I need a, a day off in the middle of the week because then I can, you know, have clients in and do, and do X or Y. Um, well, she felt, figured out that her, out herself and then she negotiated for it and it, and she got it. Right. But a lot of people don't ask what they're, what they're saying to themselves and say, well, I can't do this because I work five days a week as opposed to what would I need to do what would I need to negotiate and you just might get it right because it's not necessary it doesn't necessarily matter or to even the not the might
1: you the, like you know not the might that you'll get it because at yes. this point you know who else has it it's yeah. like um this is a really great conversation I'm looking forward to continuing and uh having this ongoing discussion with you because I think there's there's Multiple layers to pull out, and then on each layer, there's a a, a landscape of structural, institutional, and tribal issues that I think impact, um, particularly the Black community, when it comes to employment. Um, I remember in our in our Black link, excuse me, in our Black LinkedIn room, uh, first time I heard Devin talk about sleep, and then uh, uh, link that to a sleep study showing that black people get more less sleep than white people, but also uh, then link that to what was given to us at Juneteenth and, and the order, you know, we can be free, but just not be um, still. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, I think that there's several things that are impacting that we may be able to come up with some, you know, small, tiny solutions, but that move one specific layer forward. I love the concept of being able to address how much we are worth by our human. um, I like the word human capital, but I feel like it's it's really abroad That I want to come up with something else. I maybe our 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 skills, our our uh, personal engagement (laughs) skill set. But it's it's just because you know whether it's I just learned at Dollar General. Has 34,000 stores that would include the um, family dollar. So they are, um, last year they made more money than Coca Cola. Wow. And, um, you know, to be able to go into a dollar general and figure out how to feed your family um, is a skill set.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, you know, when you talk about budgeting, you talk about uh, we need, we got cutbacks. Oh, I'm uniquely gifted for that. Let me tell you. So I spent the last you know six years going to yeah. Dollar General before I had this job or, or whatever it is. But and I think that, and I could be wrong, I think we're in a very unique time period where the authentic story of a person's individual experience or skill set is looked for and appreciated right now. Now, you know, five years from now, things it's settle, or maybe there's no settling and this is gonna be the new norm where we just every year are trying to navigate COVID. But um, in that navigation space, because of the, the grief and the loss, people are giving grace and space for people to tell their story. Yeah. So I think, and I think
2: that that's powerful within organizations and leadership because you get um, people are more collaborative, they're more, they're more, they're helping each other, and right. so this coming together is really a, a time that we can take advantage of in terms of you know just really improving relationships among right. people. Um, so I I really hope that that continues.
1: Tell us where to follow you at and how we can tap into you.
2: Okay, great. I'm at Dr. Michelle Williams on uh, LinkedIn and then at on Instagram. I'm at Negotiators Way, so there's going to be lots of negotiators negotiation tips there. So it's negotiation Negotiators underscore way, um, and I'm on Clubhouse every. Tuesday and Sunday evening around 7 p.m. So on Sunday, we do career advancement. So please come bring your questions. I love the idea. We usually have a topic um, on the 29th. We're going to be doing um, sponsors and mentors this Sunday we're on the 22nd. We're going to be doing um camera confident virtual negotiations cuz a lot of people are doing their interviews and things on camera and we have some special guests so we'd love to see you
1: okay excellent i'll be there so this has been your black news and uh powered by black talent community we'll be back
0: thank you no oh, no thank you